0: Welcome to Listening to Paint Try with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you so much for con- joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. Today, we are very excited to have somebody I met every, at Adepticon this year in the, the Resin Beast competition. He is the Business Development Officer at Creaturecaster. Uh, he's an excellent painter as well, and we are so excited to have Taylor Holloway from CreatureCaster here. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me on, Mike.
0: So it was super exciting meeting you at the Resin' Beast competition. That was such an amazing thing to see all those cases that kind of, let's just say it looked more artistic than certain other cases that were available <laughs> for viewing. Um, and it was a breath of fresh air. So from, from an artist's perspective, thank you you know, for, <laughs> for, for, for having the contests. Um, what, but before we get to your hobby story, do you have like a, like a little snippet of what, what got up uh, creature caster's, uh, ire to do not ire. It's the wrong word, but tickled their fancy to do such an expansive resin beast this year.
1: Well, um, we've always taken a lot of pride in the resin beast competition. Uh, we've been doing it. I believe this is our fifth year doing it. And, um, what we decided to do this year was we took on a sponsor uh a partner uh in this endeavor and that was uh Parabellum so they do the they do conquest um they decided to uh match our contribution because usually we do uh, a pretty generous prize support uh, uh in cash by the way we're one of the few events uh in the world that actually offer cash prizes uh to uh to winners but they decided to match us um and so we started off this year with uh, $14,000 worth of cash prizes to give out, uh, to the winners of the Resin Beast. And then what happened, uh, we actually had $14,000 this year to start, uh, with the event. And I started talking to Peter, who's the CEO of the company. And my, uh, background actually is business, um, and doing, and putting together events, um, especially sponsorships. And I went to Peter and said, well, if we have one partner in this, why don't we get other sponsors and build a bigger event? and um that kind of that kind of led to us having a conversation it turns out i have a uh i have a good friend uh alexi from misteria uh, miniatures and i know that he's looking to he's been looking to break into this market and i gave him the opportunity to join as a, in a, as a sponsor as well uh which he graciously accepted uh enthusiastically because nice. when i suggested to him it was actually for the um for, was for the 2024 resin beast and he insisted that he takes part in the 2023 resin beast <laughs> <laughs> and so um so he matched us for the seven thousand dollars and uh in exchange uh we would allow not only creature caster models to be displayed in the event but also parabella models which is obvious because they were partner with ours with us but also alexi's model for Bisterium. now the interesting part with Bisterium is they do not produce physical models they produce stl files
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that's how they that's how their company has kind of built itself up uh, and we're just getting into the STL market with our fantastic, uh, STL program, uh, that's on right. online manufacturing. Uh, so we, uh, and we've been collaborating with them cause he's been kind of a mentor for us on how to get into the STL market. And in turn, we've been mentoring him on how to get into the physical market. And, um, yeah, we, you know, so he joined up and so we had $21,000 this year to give away as cash prizes. Um. And this, this all came together pretty quickly because he didn't actually come in, uh, until I want to say it was probably January. That's when he decided he was going to be part of this. Mm-hmm. So he, so we've been announcing the resin beast we usually do like a six month lead up to the resin beast where we start advertising and, uh, telling people they should join up and sign up because, uh, we don't have limited space. Though next year, we're probably going to have to look at potentially having a cap on how many people can actually join up. Um, mainly because like, as you saw, we had over a hundred entries this year and we simply have to have room to display those entries. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so we, um, anyway, so yeah, but we'd over, yeah, it was great. It was a great event. So.
0: Yeah, it's impressive. We'll, we'll delve more into it in, in a little okay. bit. Um, <laughs> Cause I can talk about it. I I, I have a lot of opinions on contest. I can talk for
1: hours. So. <laughs>
0: Perfect. <laughs> um, so why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a, a hobby origin story. Let us know how you got into this crazy world of miniatures.
1: Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm, I will say I am not, I'm not old, but I've been around. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I actually started uh, back when I was about 12. Uh, my dad, um, who was a Desperately closeted nerd um, wanted wanted to do nerdy stuff with his kids, but didn't want to make it seem like he was the one that wanted to do it. So hmm. he actually purchased uh, some of those old Dragonlance uh, lead models. Nice, remember those from Ralph Parvin yes. back in the day, like the big box sets?
0: Mm-hmm. So he bought a
1: bunch of those box sets for me and my brother to work on. Now my brother, God bless him, great guy, chewed on lead. We couldn't let him around it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we, uh, so it became a me, a me and my dad project. Um, and I remember he bought the old tester enamel paints for me to paint with. Oh yeah. Cause that's what you had back then, right? It wasn't, uh, you didn't have acrylic paints for models. This was 1992. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anyway, so I had these testers paints and I was painting these dragons with my dad and eventually my dad got kind of tired of doing it. Um, and he moved on from that hobby, but, uh, I kept it going and uh, every once in a while he would buy me a pack of Ralph partha models from uh, the local store which was called comics north and i would uh paint them up um at that time too we were kind of getting into dungeons and dragons um we were starting to get into uh and we started getting into uh warhammer um through this uh i think i told him there was an old i think it was mattel um game Yes, um, that, was, that was back when mattel had a had a teamed up with uh games workshop so they had their like hero quest, of course, when we got into hero quest, um, we got into this game called, uh, war masters or something along those lines. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it had the big vinyl
1: mat and it had all the Warhammer models. And it was like on a hex grid. Right. And you move right. them all around and my brother and I would plan those. And those were plastic. So if my brother did chew on them, it wasn't a big deal. right? Um, <laughs> you know, so, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I was painting models for Dungeons and Dragons for our, our Dungeons and Dragons games, uh, I was also painting models. I started painting the models for our Hero Quest and the other stuff. And then uh, it just kind of became a thing where I was just painting models all the time when I was a kid. Eventually, to Games Workshop, I think it was like, I want to say it was shortly after. It seems longer to me that I was using these testers' paints, but I don't think I was using them for very long because Games Workshop came out with their acrylic line very shortly after that. And I remember I got the entire set uh, for Christmas and I was painting with those. And I still remember how they smelled. They were definitely a weird smelling pain. I remember that. <laughs> Not the testers; the games workshops now. Oh, yeah. workshop stuff.
0: oh no, no, absolutely. Even yeah. the um, I had some of the art store acrylics um, that my parent, my mom, had used for a project for my dad for homecoming uh, from a deployment because I'm a Navy brat, yeah. and I remember that's the those yeah. acrylic paints had a funk
1: to them too. They like, did, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's strange. It's just, I just that smell will always stick with me, right? And I noticed that like paints don't smell like they used to. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, no. And I uh, yesterday um, I was in the city in DC in a place called the National Building Museum, which is one of the buildings my agency manages, and uh, we were in the back storage area, and I'm like, oh my god, this smells like acrylic paint. like and they're like what do you mean i'm like this whole area smells like acrylic paint and sure enough well i go around in the corner and literally there's these miniature displays of washington dc from architects that are all painted and i'm like when were these painted and they're like uh early early to early 90s late 80s and i'm like "Uh uh uh-huh yeah
1: yeah that's uh but anyway yeah i remember i remember my mom used to complain about the smell of the paints that's that's what like she could smell it and it was just, yeah. And I'd, and of course I didn't have a dedicated painting area back then. So I used the kitchen counter. So I had the lights set up and I was always painting at the kitchen counter on a stool, not even a proper chair. And I mean, back then I was a kid. So thank God because my back would be destroyed if I tried doing that now. But uh, yeah. And I mean, I painted, I think all the way until, um, I want to say I was about 17, pretty much when you start finding girls and going on yeah. stuff, you You know, you you find yourself doing the hobby stuff less. I was still doing the Dungeons & Dragons and a little bit of Warhammer here and there, but, uh, you know, not as much painting. And then um, it wasn't until... I want to say probably uh, 2003 I got back into it. Uh, My... um, Oh. I'm really uh, sorry. That's okay, no worries.
0: (laughs) That's my wife letting me know that my wife and daughters and a niece are in philadelphia going to taylor swift tonight so oh right on yeah so that's them they, <laughs> they left this morning my bet is that's her telling me she's there
1: <laughs> that's good that's awesome yeah, yeah
0: so yeah my son and i have a guy's night which is going to involve the copious amount of chicken wings oh there you go <laughs> i got I got, a, I got a girl's
1: day i got a, a daddy daughter day tomorrow so me and helix have to figure out what we're doing
0: but <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We might watch from... I don't know if we're watching a movie or what we're doing tonight. Or Evil
1: Dead Rises out on video.
0: Right. Well, he, uh, the uh, Taylor, the, uh, who's I'm interviewing, is from Creature Caster, just suggested Evil Dead Rises is out today. That's got some value. There's some merit to that suggestion, Taylor.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's yeah. a new one. I just, yeah.
1: I heard it's really good. It oh, got really? A, okay. really high reviews
0: okay oh he's saying that people from like weekly planet and he's hearing that actually it's pretty good too so well maybe it might be chicken wing and zombies which is you know i'm
1: i just bought the movie Uh and i I bought the movie i didn't download it i bought it oh nice i legit paid google to have it so i could watch it tonight with my wife
0: nice nice yeah and we're (laughs) we, we we typically do um Something like that. I think last the last times we binged like the first season of The Walking Dead because he had never seen it. He wasn't really old enough, and yeah. we got Wings and Walking Dead. So you know, <laughs> I apologize about that. Um, so we talked about the 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 death smell of the acrylic paint. Um, so one of the things that was interesting when we, we were talking a little bit beforehand before we started, I hit the record button um you were talking about uh using the hobby to fund the hobby yes yeah so can we talk a little bit more about that because i know that this is something that hits a lot of people like right at home
1: yeah so like when i so i got back into warhammer about 2003 um my girlfriend at the time now my wife uh we had kind of settled down um you know a lot of my friends were settling down with their significant significant others and they um they said they, we wanted to get together and do stuff but we didn't really know you know what to do right We want to do some organized thing and um, I suggested that maybe we start doing Warhammer uh, They were very confused because they didn't know what Warhammer was and then I introduced it to them and they went whole hog and just went right into it um, and I ended up being having some painting experience I not only painted my army uh, I painted my brother's army I painted Steve's army James I was painting everyone's armies right? um and uh, and I never really thought about it I, thought, I started going to game stores with these painted armies and a lot of people were asking who painted your army and then people were suddenly offering me money for my armies, like offering to buy my army for money and it was significantly more than I paid for those uh models <laughs> so obviously. obviously I and I mean I'll, I'll be honest with you Mike I like money I'm not gonna lie
0: I'm <laughs> not gonna argue either <laughs>
1: so when someone offers you you know you pay like i think at the time this is this hurts my soul to say that you know my 300 hundred dollar warhammer army i could sell for 850 bucks um you know because back then a warhammer army only cost 350 dollars right. um people i kind of jumped at the opportunity so what happened was I, I found myself for the longest time i would just buy used models uh or models from the game store make an army play with it for you know a few months and then somewhere as soon as I said I wanted to sell it, uh people were just throwing money at me to get these painted to get these fully painted armies. So okay. um yeah. You can't do that nowadays. Nowadays when you go to offer when you go to when you go to sell a painted army, nobody's willing to pay three, four times what you paid for. Right. <laughs> for the most part. I mean there's some exceptions, right? Uh like I, I appreciate you think I'm a fantastic I'm I'm a mediocre painter at best. <laughs> but... no such th-
0: There is no such thing to me. I don't believe yeah. in there's as yeah. much as a meteor. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I've lost all, yeah. all the classifications of that stuff. You know, I mean, there are, yeah. there are exceptions to the rule. I mean, yeah. you have the people that are in the other orbit, yeah. um, uh, you know, yeah. like the Eric's and the Sam's and, uh, you know, yeah. all those people yeah. painters. Uh,
1: they don't typically paint armies though. Right. Yeah. Rarely do I see a, uh, you know, one of those very high end painters, right. um, you know, with a fully painted, you know, fully painted Warhammer army. God forbid a fully painted Warhammer fantasy army that had 200 models in it. Right. And right. what kills me is we used to do this by hand. We didn't mm. have airbrushes, Mike. Right. We did this by hand. Who does that? Yeah. Well, like, what was wrong with us? Oh, no. I mean, the, the innovation
0: of the dip, you know, like. It, oh, it's yeah. I remember just, the dip. Yeah. You know, yep. at first you're like wow that would really speed things up you know and then <laughs> yeah. you know realize that you know now your miniatures can take a bullet and you can't get rid of that shine <laughs> everything is so shiny i can't see my stuff off the table oh man
1: i made my own dip out of uh floor finish and um and what was it ink? uh what i oh we probably have different brands of ink in the states anyway i'm in canada so uh we so i was using like ink for michael's and you know making my own dips and like dipping models and it's funny because back then I used to think it looked so good. And now I look at it and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? What was I doing?
0: <laughs> oh, no, I totally get it. I totally, totally get the, um, looking back at your work that long ago is like looking at your work the day after you painted drunk. Yeah. You know, like, you're like <laughs> God, that looks so much better last night. God yeah. Damn. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, yeah. an, it's an amazing, amazing, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I have a couple. I don't have a ton of stuff that I painted from back in my day, in my first way around of the hobby. Um, but I certainly thought it was the bee's knees back then.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, everything. Really, you know, you think it looks fantastic, and you know, and I wonder. I often wonder the people who bought my armies that were dipped or you know, like hastily painted, whether they look back at those armies if they still have them and be like, "Oh man, why did I pay Why did I buy this? What is wrong with me?" Right. <laughs> But
2: right,
1: hey, I mean, there's something to be said though. You know, you can have a bunch of you know uh, quickly painted models, and but when you put them on a base and then you have them displayed as a part of a whole, right? And the whole thing is painted, it has a very different impression.
2: Very right. true.
1: You know, it's uh, you know you can have a pretty, like I said, I, you can't see my air quotes because we're in a podcast, but you can have a <laughs> mediocre, a mediocre paint job uh, on you know 200 models and you put them together all painted and on the tabletop. And they're they're gonna look they're gonna look top notch, right? Especially if you got good terrain, good lighting, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's actually what hooked one of one of, one of my neighbors. I paint blood bowl teams for, and that's actually what hooked him. Was he asked me to re- fix and repair one of his blood bowl teams and clean it up and paint it, and so I did. And then he was like, "Oh my god, it changed the game!" Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like it made he's he like it it looks amazing, and I would say they're low level tabletop he does he's a neighbor he doesn't it's not a lot of money exchanging hands and
1: yeah it's
0: he has low expectations of it i'm still they're decent you know everything is base coated, shaded and highlighted it's not
1: yeah so uh, yes um yeah yeah. what you're saying about having a full having a full table you know having like having painted models on a train filled table fully painted um you know with good lighting really enhances the game and actually um, at Creaturecaster, we're a big part of our business is creating really atmospheric and thematic models, right? Right. Uh, we value, you know, we value painted painted models. We're very good to our fans that are, you know, painting their models, showcasing them. Uh, we try to give them as much exposure as we possibly can, um, and that really plays into our game, Judgment Eternal Champions, which is our new flagship game. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the Have you seen the game? I uh, have.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so, so when. Like, so the game, so we have that full, that really beautiful double stitch mat, but it also has, um, we're gonna be coming out with 3D terrain pieces, right? That you can paint and have as part of your army, or part of your, not part of your army, part of your, um, part of your table, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You have the models, everything is, you know, really designed to be thematic like that, right? Right. And that's kinda, that's kinda what we're going for is like, you know, having, when you have like the 3D, when you have the terrain when you have the models, you have the 3D tokens, you have an amazing game mat, it makes all the difference, right? Just like you were saying with Blood Bowl, right? Or any other war game, right? It's just yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the enjoyment level increases, you get you can kind of get lost a little bit more, more escapism into it oh, yeah. a little bit more. Um, yeah. for it. So you know what, you mentioned it, so why don't why don't we hit that? So creature caster goes from um I honestly I, I can't I, I I can't lie with the joke. I I when I couldn't remember like early on uh, getting back into the hobby and hearing creature caster i'm like the ones that do the demons the really big demons um i <laughs> so which is not a diss i mean that's the, <laughs> no, that's the, what we do yeah. really, i mean the models the, are incredible there's I mean, two I, things we're
1: known for is big demons and boobs right like i mean <laughs> let's be totally honest
0: <laughs> and some of those big demons have lots of boobs
1: it's a lot yeah a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah we have,
1: we have some pretty very, we have some very creative uh concept artists
0: and so. but still i mean i'm gonna throw the gauntlet down there because they're nothing compared to kingdom death boobs i mean there's no a, we, yeah. we draw a
1: line we go for we go for a little bit of realism um i mean hey i love kingdom death as much as anyone else and uh, but like adam needs to calm down
0: just, yeah some of it yeah just some, calm just,
1: down come on man <laughs> I, I still remember seeing the model, the wet nurse, and being like, "I kind of want that model, but I kind of don't want that model."
0: <laughs> I would have to hide. I, I, my family would make so much fun of me having a model <laughs> like that that I, I would have to like hide
1: it in the basement and like it would never see the light of day. Would we'll go in the display right. case. Yeah, right. would, yeah, it would not happy. The way my wife is she would fish it out and show everyone how proud she was that i painted this model and how great it looks and yeah she'd be showing her grandparents and her mom and i'd be like oh god just please don't please don't (laughs) run yeah Yeah, i do
0: have a supportive wife but that's not you know it's very Uh, rare that she mentions my hobby oh my my wife
1: loves showing off everything i do to her entire family and i'm just like please do not show that model to your grandmother
0: (laughs) I'm only allowed a few pieces up in the like I, I have a, a samurai uh uh bugesha model that I did that she gave me and then a couple other like I have a quicksilver from the 80s tv show silver hawk and another piece yeah. that are allowed upstairs because they don't look too nerdy. I'm like are you kidding silver hawk from the mid 80s tv show I'm pretty sure you're not Gonna get much nerdier than that. <laughs> such is life. I'll take yep. i'll take every win I can get. I'll you,
1: she, my wife encouraged me. I bought a. I actually ended up. This is a few years ago. I bought a eight foot by. Um, it's an eight foot by six foot uh, display cabinet it's in my basement right now. Oh,
2: so nice.
1: Fully lit with glass, and yeah, I have. And unfortunately, I just put um, unfinished mo- painted models in there. I have no idea why. <laughs> I, I have no idea. All my painted models are actually in my a cases. So, <laughs> and I, 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 I'm starting to do more art pieces and put them in there because I have to put something in there. <laughs> right. right. I can't just have just loads of gray models in there. It doesn't look great.
0: No. So. And you know, it's, it, it, it kind of is the counterintuitive. Th- I do the same type of thing as well. Like all of my finished painted models are like kind of in the corner yeah. in my basement somewhere. And then all the stuff that I haven't painted yet is like staring at me. And I'm yeah, I'm like, this is really kind of a sickness, right? At like this point. You know? I think
1: part of it, I think by the same reason why I played Darkest Dungeon for so long, because my I remember playing Darkest Dungeon. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the game. Or I am anything. not. Okay. But the thing is, everything in that game is permanent, right? So if your guys die in the game, like they're gone, you can't get them back, right? Oh, wow. Like, oh yeah, it's a real, and, and there was one night or I was playing the game. She was sitting on the couch reading and I had a really bad go and like my entire party ended up killing each other because I got too stressed out. It's a long story. If you don't know the game, it's not, But basically, if you don't treat them well enough, they start getting stressed out, they go crazy, and then they start bickering with one another. And anyway, I lost my whole party. And I was was pissed. I was really pissed. And my wife goes, why are you playing this game? And I said, because I like to punish myself for wasting time. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's the same thing with having these grey models out in the open for everyone to see. And the painted models hidden away somewhere is because I want to punish myself for not painting them.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh no, I get it. Yeah. It it's yeah. it's it's hard. Um so okay, yeah, there we go. I, I'm back now. My brain is where, where <laughs> I wanted to be. So um we go from uh the Demon Boob Company to yeah. now we have a dedicated flagship game in Judge it's called Judgment, right?
1: Judgment Eternal Champion. So it's the Eternal second Champion. edition of a game called Judgment uh that was developed um by the Gunmeister the Gunmeister team in Australia. Uh, we purchased that, we purchased the game from them and then we did a second edition. Uh, the first edition of the game was a, um, was actually, I believe they used, um, I want to say it was, it's 54 millimeter models. Um, so they're the big models like Inquisitor and those, that sort of idea. Right. Um, when we went to the second edition, we dropped it down to 32 millimeter scale. Um, the reason for that was because we feel it's more accessible. Um, and a lot of, a lot more people are willing to pick up and spend money on, um, 32 millimeter miniatures versus 54 millimeter miniatures because they can use those miniatures for other things mm-hmm. where you buy a 54 millimeter miniature um there's two things you're doing with it either playing judgment or painting it and putting it on display right? right and it's not even like most display miniatures are 75 millimeter scale so you know what i mean like it's that it's a middle ground that not a lot of people use and it seemed to me it seemed to us the wiser choice was to go 32 millimeter.
0: Except in the historical world, in the historical world, fifty four is still pretty big. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't yeah.
1: know that. Oh, wow. so, yeah. I don't do historical. I don't typically do the historical stuff. So that's that's. Uh, that's
0: no, I, I'm not either. But I'm a member of a couple of groups that have oh, a lot okay. of historical painters in it. And you'll like if you if you go onto oh, like oh
1: yeah like the like the miniature like the actual like guys yeah, which is yeah okay yes you're right.
0: Because a lot of them will fit better, fifty-four millimeters. Some of them look better with tanks and other things along those lines as well. So yeah, I it's a lot of yeah, sense. no. It, but in the gaming world, in the fantasy world, it's a dying scale. For yeah, sure. Yeah, you don't see it yeah. very often anymore.
1: Yeah. So, um, but yes, yeah, so we did. We decided to go. We decided to produce the models in resin. Um, so our collectors edition models are in resin, and we're going to be we're going to be continuing to produce the models in resin. But our core box is actually in PVC. Um, which is some of the nicest PVC I've ever seen. Um, but I mean, it's, uh, and that's actually going to be, um, like that That flagship box is what we're selling, right? And then people can expand out to the to the uh, resin stuff if they want to keep on playing and expanding the game.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And so the little guy that I got in my bag with the flaming hands and horns, he said his yeah. name was Inferno.
1: Yes, that's okay. PVC. That's, that's PVC, it. yep. That's PVC. That's That is soft, mass-produced plastic, believe it or not. That's mm-hmm. actually not made of, um, that's not resin, but, uh, I feel personally that we were able to capture almost the same quality as our resin models in this PVC.
0: It is certainly the best version of that type of plastic I've seen. Yeah. It was I mean, great. It, you know, especially in compared to, it's not Siocast, right?
1: No, it's not sciocast. Sciocast is, um, that's a different material. That's a, uh, oh, what's it called? A, um, uh. I'm not going to remember the word. Sealcast uh, is a, uh, it, and I've been with Sealcast. I've actually known about Sealcast for a very long time. Uh, I've worked with uh, one of the companies that was the original, um, the original testers of the product. Right. So I got I got dragged into the Sealcast world about five years ago. Um, so it's a oh thermoplastic. That's the word I'm looking for. So it's it's a uh, it's heated differently and it's um, but it's a very similar to. CO cast is very similar to casting resin, right? Now, right. keep in mind, I've done none of these things, so, yes. so, so, okay, so but um, the process of making a CO cast mold and making a resin mold are very similar. Um, whereas uh, making a PVC roll, uh, mold or a um, or an injection plastic mold are more are are, are, are more similar in that respect. Right?
0: Okay, right? I got you. So, but- injection plastic, PVC, similar, Siocast, metal resin
1: kind of yes similar. Yeah. yes yeah. so Sealcast actually used to do um does used to do i'm not sure if they still do or not um they used to do resin and pewter casting as well okay right
0: because i know i remember see when i saw the demo of it at Adepticon, i was like this looks like the same thing uh, when i it looked like when i went on the reaper tour basically the same concept that they're pouring metal into the molds and spinning yeah. and all yeah. this other stuff, you know.
1: I mean, seal and seal I personally feel is the future of, of miniature, uh, a miniature hobbying in the future, um, mm-hmm. for, especially for small companies, um, just because of the, the ability for small companies to afford a machine and be able to mass produce models is, you know, you can't, you can't put a price tag on that. Um, you know, if you wanted to do that, uh, prior to SealCast being on the scene, uh, you'd have to get an injection molding machine and an injection molding machine is going to cost you yeah, a ridiculous amount of money and then you need to have an engineer to actually use it um, whereas this can be used by almost anybody with the proper training and you can produce uh, hundreds of bottles if not thousands per day but yeah you, yeah so you can make you can make hundreds if not thousands of bottles a day with a seal res machine and you're you know you're laughing it's uh, it's an amazing product
0: yeah, and I you know, I want them to take the next step with it though to be able to put produce display level pieces with it. You can't, can. because um, oh, yeah, can. uh, oh, yeah. just what I what I've had my hands on. Uh, by the time you get rid of the mold lines on it, you're like, there's no okay, the definition is gone completely here now.
1: You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you've probably like, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said too about who's like who's doing it right mm-hmm. i mean it, it's just like resin right if you have someone who is not very good at casting resin you're getting at not very good model, right Truth. Um, if, you have someone, if you have someone who knows what like uh, i'll use yet haro as an example they're uh, they are one of the companies that first started using seal res and i can show you pictures of some of the models they produce yeah
0: yeah i didn't know they could do it. I, I i thought it was all uh it just makes me think like uh have you ever seen a BattleTech mini yeah, yeah. the I worst mold lines on the planet you know? <laughs>
1: yeah no no uh, yeah I mean and I hear what you're saying uh, and I do agree with you that you know a lot of seal res that's out there is getting a bad rap because of the um, because of the people using the machine and not necessarily the machine itself mm-hmm. right um you know and CO-Res keeps on innovating with new with new uh, materials right uh, recently they just released this stuff called seal res hard which is a um, it's almost like a hard plastic and the samples that I saw were just as good as anything Games Workshop is producing these days. Oh, damn! Yeah, yeah to
0: be able to, if because if, if, where I always struggle with the seal cast stuff is the being able to sand it. That you is, can't sand it. Yeah, Oh, you still? You can't even sand the hard.
1: Uh, you can sand the hard. Yes, the yeah. hard stuff you can sand. Uh, with the soft, like with the original seal res material, you had to cut it away with a with a sharp hobby knife. Right, right? which is a bit of a pain in the butt. I mean, I uh, you know, um, I kind of. I remember when you were a kid and you used to cut those white erasers? Mm-hmm. Everybody did. Everyone cut a white eraser. It kind of felt like that, right? Where you're cutting away with a white eraser, which yes. is kind of fun. I kind of liked it. But I see what you're saying about the the soft seal material. But really, you know, if people are putting mold lines over eyes, that's the person who's laying it out, right? Like right. They should be, the mold lines should be hidden in certain parts of the model. It's just like when you're 3D printing. You know, you don't, you know, you need to have, if you're doing like a hollow model, you need to put air vents in it you put the air vents where the caption pieces are. You don't put the air vent in the middle of the forehand. And you don't put the supports on the eyeballs, right? You that's know, right, like, yeah. It's, you, gotta, you have to be a little strategic about this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs> for sure, There, there's is, there is truth in that. And that, that was a big, that's a big issue that I know a lot of people who play Battletech have. They're like every canopy has a massive mold line on it. Yeah. Why would you ever put the canopy, the most visible part of the miniature?
1: Oh, what the, are they oh they're producing oh and they're using Seal Res, right?
0: I, I think so. I'm not hundred percent sure.
1: I think they are. I think they a catalyst games I think switched over to Seal Res. Yeah. So
0: yeah. And then they heat press them into the bases.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. Know. That's, yeah. I mean, you know, people are doing terrible crimes against models. Yes. Right? <laughs> okay. I, I totally agree with you. There are people out there who do terrible crimes against models. Right. You know? right.
0: <laughs> you know, and It's always, it's, it's funny because it seems like it goes through phases, right? Like yeah. where, um, games workshop models were frustrating to put together and then weird went, Hey, hold our, hold our beer we're going to give you models that you're going to make uh, make you appreciate assembling games workshop models you know and so it just kind of goes through you know like amazing detail but i can't figure how the f to put this thing together (laughs) there's six pieces that look exactly alike you know oh yeah
1: and then corvus belly i remember corvus bellies (laughs) our first models right And i'm just like you know and god bless corvus i work i do work for them every once in a while they're great guys Mm -hmm. uh, but i am so like what they were doing with pewter models by the end—I mean, they still doing in pewter models—but uh, mm-hmm. they're they are transitioning out of pewter models. I've noticed and moving into other materials as well. Um, and probably because—and I, I don't particularly know the reason why—probably because people are very. Um, it seems like a lot of people are hesitant to use pewter models for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I get it. Well,
0: the price of metal is just through the roof right now. Too. Well, that's
1: that's yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's also true. But I mean, we're like you and I are both relatively older. Right, mm-hmm. so we can we have used pewter before, but it was and it was funny because when I used to run a lot of Infinity uh, locally, um, a lot of the gamers they would be like, "How do you like how do you put these models together? How do you clean them?" And I'm just like, "Really? It's pretty simple. It's just like a plastic model, but it's made of pewter." They couldn't wrap their head around the fact it wasn't on a sprue, right? right? So fitting metal models together, and I mean Corvus Belly, I'm not sure if you've seen the models recently, but the way they do their cuts um, are really great. Like there's some pretty clever ways how they put together models and hide the hide the lines,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: Like they'll do a they'll do a cut like across the chest, right? At like on the front of the chest, and then across the back on an angle. So you'd have to press the model together there with this big, nice big, um, with a nice big like um, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Like a like a peg, right? Yeah. So put the peg in there, and it fits perfectly. It's nice and big, and nice flat surface for the glue to really catch on. Um, but yeah, they were doing great stuff with uh, with pewter but
0: anyway dark swords yeah. do you, uh, from what i heard yeah. dark uh, do you know dark sword miniatures yeah, of course yeah. yeah yeah that's i guess that they've switched away like they've really taken all that stuff into account too we just had an interview with aaron lovejoy who painted some stuff from it and they were like yeah. he's like the dragons he's like you can't he's like, i didn't fill a single gap on the dragon yeah like because yeah. the way now people are getting smarter in understanding oh yeah. yeah i'm digging it's a depth it is a trend i can get behind
1: well, we, I mean, we have whole, we have whole meetings, uh, like we have hour long meetings sometimes just about how to do the cuts on models, like mm-hmm. where to put the cuts on our models. Um, and it's a, it's a bit of like we recently started doing, um, we started shimming our models. So we do, um, so what it is, and I know I'm using my hands to talk and that's not really okay. The podcast format, but, uh, so with shim, um, what we do is to create more, uh, to create crazier designs, like more, di- add more di- dynamicism to the model um what we've had to do is take parts and we put a five millimeter or 0.5 millimeter um piece like sheet of resin between the two pieces and what that does is it helps absorb uh, mold chips so we have less miscasts right because the way it kind of works like if you have a really sharp point on a on a on a poured resin model that's where you're going to get bubbles right you're going to miss out on the point now if you if you shim it by if you put a little shim in there and it's five like by five you know 0.5 millimeter shim, right? Um, we can get sharper points. We can get better curves. We can do a lot of amazing things now with resin. A lot of other companies aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you notice, a lot of our models have whips for some horrible reason, um, you know, but a lot of companies can't even pull off whips and resin because they're not doing the shims, right? And that's right. kind of, so it, like, and you know, we, we have had pushback about the shims cause they view it as flash and it's not flash. It's an actual shim. Like we put, we print on it shim right so people know it's a shim right to cut it off to make sure they know it's not part of the model model right yeah right right. but the idea is you cut it away you trim it away with a hobby knife right and then you have this amazingly curved beautiful curve that you couldn't get with other materials or with resin in general
0: that's amazing yeah that's interesting to think about yeah about all those and and now you've got my brain like working through the slime. i'm literally like my oh, brain's going through resin but, pouring into a mold,
1: and you know. like... Our, I'll tell you, our the guy who does the uh, the mold for us, uh, Simon, he's our operations officer. Um he, is, he has uh, forgotten more things about resin casting than pe- than most people know, hmm. right? He is uh, he is he's phenomenal. I like the stuff that I've seen him produce blows my mind. That's awesome. Know. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know, and I saw the new. uh the Lord, uh, oh God! Now, of course, Lord of Malice. Yes, there we go. Malice. I yep. was like, Lord Malignant. No, it's <laughs> Malice. And I was I just looking at the renders of that. I was like, "Holy crap! How do they cast that?" You know what I mean? Like just the thought, (laughs) the thought process. Like I, it actually makes more sense as a three D print than a cast to me. You know what I mean? Like it looks like it would be easier to print than cast. And then seeing the detail on it's amazing.
1: Well, and the and the cool part about that model actually is we have a neat idea of the base. Uh, The way the base is actually hollow. So and it has holes in it. So like part of the thing is you can actually put like lights in there.
0: Oh, that's Um, cool. You
1: could. You know, we had this whole idea. Uh, we were we were hoping to have it ready for Adepticon. Unfortunately, things didn't pan out because we have a lot of projects on the go. Uh, but um, we were going to do like a whole like have the model out on display with dry ice underneath, so there'd be mist coming out from inside oh, of the base and have cool. lights coming yeah. out. But didn't pan out. But either way, I mean, it's a it's a really sweet model. It's pretty cool, actually. That model sold out in pre order. Did um, it? Wow. Yeah, because we you know, we we're we're moving to a lot of our stuff is moving to a limited edition format. Uh, the reason being is our our back catalog is so big um, that it's very hard to uh, keep everything in stock, right? right? And that's the biggest complaint people have about our product is that it's a lot of the time they go to buy it and it's never in stock. Um, so what we're doing is moving to more of a limited edition uh, format where if people want to buy it, they have an opportunity to buy it. And if they don't buy it, then unfortunately they're going to miss that model. Um, but what we are doing is several variants of that model. So typically we're going to do three to four different variants for every limited edition model. So you'll have three to four different uh, times to be able to buy it, right? Right. So if you miss the first one, you can probably get the second one. It won't be the same model exactly, but it'll have a lot of the elements of the first model that was produced. I think uh, actually a good example was uh, we had Smengle, which is like Smengle the Plague Lord. Um, and the first one, he has the scythe and he's like typical, the traditional, our traditional Plague Angel pose. And then we did a second one where he's got a sword and board. Uh, he's got a hooded face. Um, his wings are broken in the back, right? But it's the same base model, just different parts. Right, right? just different
0: parts. Nice, nice. Yeah. Now, so then we throw in the next wave of stuff. Like, of course, I'm sitting there this morning getting an email about the hood coven. Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> you know, the red hoods? Yeah. Which I'm like, God damn it. Now nah. I... So, and those are seal res, by the way. Those are CO res. and they're um. You actually uh. But trust me, if you get them, it's going to change your entire opinion about CO res. Uh,
0: yeah, that's probably going to be in my next paycheck. Yeah, I'm it's uh. They, yeah, like they're them,
1: yeah. Yeah, they're they're phenomenal models. Uh, I've got the chance to to see them at. Uh, they were actually on display at Adapticon. Were they um, okay in front? Yeah, and they're they're phenomenal models. That's actually part of. So we have a uh, we have a separate project uh, with um some of our so one of our sculptors uh Tudor Fat and um our um and our uh concept artist uh, Alex Boca uh he has uh, they have their own company called Novak dawn so what we're doing is we're producing models for them so this is okay. part of their line of miniatures and then what we do is we produce the models in CRS for them and release them through Creature Caster
0: very nice very nice yeah. so now they're... um well, those those won't be STL files
1: Mm no I I mean okay so I can't uh, so I can't speak for TUDOR um but uh so they do actually have their own STL uh, subscription service uh wait no it's wait sorry no it's not a subscription service they just have an, an a my manufacturer store for Novacton and I think they released their first one which are a bunch of skeletons like undead skeletons but they are top notch they look phenomenal um yeah they uh but they're part, they've also produced, uh, so we have the werewolves, so we have the wolf and the wolf pack. So it's like a big werewolf and a bunch of werewolves.
0: Yes. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Then they have the hunters, which is the head hunter and he's got the, uh, the two guns. And then he has like the cannoneer and the guy with the dogs and all that stuff. And then this is the third set that they produced.
0: Now here's an important question. Are these models resin beast eligible?
1: hundred percent. Okay. 150%. Uh, they are definitely resin beast eligible and I encourage people to get them and enter them. Um, one of the most overlooked, um, overlooked, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, categories that we have is the diorama category. Uh, very few people enter it, and I don't know why because it is probably has the biggest prize pool.
0: I'm definitely so, in it. I already had, I actually started sketching my diorama on the plane home. Sick, that's awesome. I, I here, I knew what I thought. I knew what <laughs> I thought. I actually almost. I got the email and then it was like, can you, like, we could you could already register now for the next year's resin beast. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I might pull the trigger in the next couple of weeks. I just have, <laughs> I'm torn. Cause I really like the, 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 the red hoods, mm-hmm. but I also really like some of the models in the may release for creature casters STL. They're very much. <sighs> I don't know how to explain it. There's kind of a gothic feel to them with the masks.
1: Um, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry. I'm a, I'm always a, I'm always a month ahead, right? right? So when you're talking about you're talking about May, and I'm thinking about June. I'm like, "Wait a minute. It's not Yeah, June, this is man. the
0: victor- they kind of feel Victorian. <laughs> yeah, the combination between Victorian and Harlequin, which is like that combination's like perfect for me too. And so nice. I'm like I like them both. You know, like, <laughs>
1: like, and that's it's interesting you brought that up because we're actually doing so we're doing something different with our SDL program too. I'm not sure if you've noticed. Um, we're actually building our own IP with that SDL program, so that takes place in a in a separate project we have called World of Reclamation, where that is. Um, so I write the Dungeons and Dragons for that Dungeons and Dragons adventures for that particular setting, right? So every month you get a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. You get all of those. Uh, you get like a dozen models. Uh, that are all part of that that adventure and we're slowly building up our ip so we have more models for um for role players for war gamers and also for resin beast and people want to do dioramas right right because when we did the resin beast in years past people are always like well it's nice they have a diorama category but i'm not going to put you know three or four giant demons in a diorama because <laughs> that's all we had right right um, so we you know this gives people a lot of a lot of um a lot of uh ammo they can use and throw at uh resin beast if they want to and another thing people are doing with our stls which i found fantastic was they're actually scaling them up to 75 millimeter and painting them and putting them on display um joe othober from othober studios uh he won i don't remember what where his model placed but he uh one of his models won uh won one of the categories
0: yeah he and i are in uh whatchamacall are are in uh, eric swinson's discord together
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, you know, Joe. Yeah. He's a fantastic painter. Yeah. But he, he was like, the first thing he reached out, he shows me a scaled up version. He goes, huh? What do you think? And I'm just like, this looks amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and apparently the detail holds, which is, uh, I'm really happy about. Right. I mean, we, we do like, we treat our STL program like we treat any other release. Um, so, uh, so with that being said, we throw a considerable amount of resources at every month's, uh, STL program like STL release.
2: Right. So you're
1: getting like essentially you are getting creature caster quality models with that release. You know, um we don't uh, we don't cut any corners. Um and I mean and people have mentioned that as well that they've noticed just how detailed the models are compared to what you usually get in the STL market.
0: Right, and you know, here's th- th- that's an interesting question because that kind of leads me to one of my biggest complaints about STLs and about the digital sculpting world out there is sometimes it's too much detail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And sometimes like, you know, like, and so as I feel like maybe like, I don't, I, I'd be curious to get your opinion because you're in the market, but I look at some, like, I know there's STLs that I look at and I'm like, well, I'm, I like that, but why did they print the filigree on the edge of the Cape? Cause it's going to look weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's going to look really weird when it's printed. And you're trying to paint it, and it's kind of got these random, like you you know I, I don't yeah. know if I can explain yeah. it, but like you see no, it's like yeah. raised, and you're like, leave that blank. Let me paint that. You know, <laughs> let me let me do it. Well, you know,
1: well, a big part of it is uh, so render cell models, right? You'll notice that people when they're selling STLs, uh, they don't actually sell you the printed model. They sell, they show you the render, right? So when you look at a render and you see how detailed that is, you're like, oh my gosh, that's uh, that's a beautiful model. And then you throw it in your, you know. It, now, another part of, another part of 3D printing has to do with the resin you're using. Um, and I'm learning that, uh, the better the resin, the better the results. Right. right? Um, you know, if you're using, if you're using a 8K printer with, um, with 8K resin or four, even 4K resin with the, with the proper settings in place, you're going to see that filigree just fine. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's going to pop out just fine. Um, it's when you get, and another part of that too is a lot of it is how your model is, um, how the supports are laid out we talked about uh we actually use a third party to do our supports uh, atlas 3dss okay and they they do a lot of uh, miniatures in the industry but they're phenomenal
0: i've actually heard that name before i I, I, or at least read it somewhere before yeah
1: yeah so they they do quite a few of the bigger the big names in the uh, stl industry but so it has to do with the angle you're placing the model on how you're putting supports that will determine where your print lines are Right, mm-hmm. and if you can do it properly, and you turn the model just enough, and do it the right way, you're not going to get any print lines. Right, right, or the or you're going to have print lines, but the print lines are going to be in places that people aren't going to see. Mm-hmm. Right, so um, and same with their and their supports are phenomenal. Like they just peel right off. It's not a, you know. And like I know the plate that I showed you that failed, right? <laughs> and you're just like, "Well, Taylor, you just showed me a big failed plate." I'm like, "Yeah, okay, but that's that's a Taylor problem. That's not a that's not them." I I could I assure you, it has something to do with my settings <laughs> or something i do doing on my end.
0: See, this is this is that whole thing for me. We were talking a little bit before about it with the getting into 3D printing, like it just seems like a rabbit hole
1: to me. That it is. oh, it's a, it definitely is a rabbit hole, hundred um, percent.
0: That I would almost have. I feel like in order for me to do it successfully, I would have to like take a break from painting and like basically focus on learning how to 3D, 3D print. You
1: know what I mean? I, I felt that way when I didn't have a 3D printer and I finally made the leap. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, um, at first I was 3D printing all the time. I had that thing running constantly and I had a giant, pottle, a giant pile of resin, right, to paint. Um, and then it eventually cools off a little bit and after after you have a few failed attempts uh it'll cool off for a little bit you might not print touch your printer for weeks afterwards it is a it is very frustrating and i tell people when they're because i have a lot of friends and like a lot of friends that are into wargaming and the first thing they say is oh, i'm gonna get a 3d printer and i'm gonna 3d print my own warhammer 40k arm and I'm like, no, it's not going to work out the way you think it is, <laughs> you know, right. he's like, well, I'll just save so much money. And I'm like, yeah, you won't in time, I promise you, <laughs> you know, and I tell you about half of them end up selling with 3d printer within the first three weeks because they have a few, fa- like they have a bunch of failures and they can't, uh, they can't figure it out and they just get frustrated and give it up. Um, like 3d printing, it, it's, it is a hobby in itself. Yeah. Right. Um. I had the same the same worry when I got the three D printer that it was gonna end up sucking up all my time. I was gonna be three D printing all the time. Um that I would end up uh 3D printing more than I ended up painting, um, that kind of stuff. And once I got a three D printer and started doing it, I it, it stopped being a major issue for me, you know. Like I use it I use it occasionally. It's a great tool for uh like especially for me in being in the position I'm in a lot of the time. Um Peter or Simon will ask me to print off a model, so they can like just a, a prototype model, so we can see how it looks. Right? Uh, I have printed off full creature caster models before, and um, I will tell you that uh, I will tell you that it's better to buy the model than to three D print it. Is, it is a it is a frustrating endeavor because our models are huge. I think the I've I've only done two of our models. Uh, one was the Spider Demon, the other was the Plague Angel. I needed, They needed to see a size comparison between the two models, and I believe the Spider Demon took 27 hours to print, and I had and I had two failures in that time, um, and the the Plague Angel was 22 hours to print. Jeez. So yeah, it was. Uh, it it's 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 a you know like 3D printing doesn't happen over well it does happen overnight because I do yeah. run the printer overnight, but <laughs> but uh, it's, it's one of those things where you know like. If you're you're planning on just buying uh, a Warhammer army or, you know, buying a model every once in a while and painting it, you're far better off to just buy the physical model, right? Do that. Um, Like 3D printing is something you do have to dedicate time to when there's a learning curve and it can be very frustrating.
0: Hmm. And, you know, it's, I I, I see, like I go through these battles in my head, right? Like, so I'm teaching a class at ReaperCon this year on doing tiny text and books. And I'm like, oh, this should be so easy. Like, this was where a 3D printer would be amazing because I could print off 20 books. Yep. And that's yep. my that's... class. Like, right then, there there's my class setup. You know, I've got the models for my class as opposed to sitting, having to go through the Reaper catalog. Yeah. going, you know, holy crap, where's the book? And, you know, like, <laughs> and, and you have a budget. They give you a budget for yeah. your classes because fair enough. Um, yeah. And uh so it's one of those like I see those those values, but I also then my brain starts going, Oh, that's a really cool model. That's a really cool model, that's a really cool model. <laughs>
1: so, the bigger issue is you're gonna collect more 3D prints than you know than you can possibly ever print and paint. Right? right. I think that's the biggest issue is you all end up having a library of hundreds of models, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the prices, the price point's very low. Right? Yes. Um, so you end up just picking up models here and there and you're never going to print them. You're never. And then the worst thing is they have these subscription services like we do, um, where we sucker you in with these great models. And okay, I'm going to use us as an example because I want people to join our tribe, but, (laughs) (laughs) but the, uh, but no, a lot of these companies. So you, you join a tribe and they give you like 60 models a month, right? Well, like, what are you going to do with 60 models? You're not going to print off 60 models. You're not going to paint 60 models. Like, you know, like we, like, I will say, like, we like we do a dozen, right? And the reason is we give them a purpose in the Dungeons and Dragons adventure that accompanies it, right? So you can print them off and paint them and use them in your adventures if you'd like. Um, but we also know that if we give you 12 models, you're going to, that's a reasonable amount of models to print off and paint if you really want to, right? right. If you're getting 12 models a month. That is a, adding up quite a bit, but it's still much more manageable than some of these, some of these, uh, these tribes. They, on my manufacturing, like the amount of models that they're offering is just crazy, just crazy. Like, right. what would you ever, what would you do with that many models?
0: And that's, I think you're exactly right in that sense too. That, but people get into that more equals better value.
1: That's yeah, and that's that. You know, it's that's a um, what is it? Someone said to me recently that is a uh, you know, it, it's basically a ride to the bottom, right? Yeah, because you're devaluing your product so much um, by trying to get people in on get people to. You know get more for less and and in the end you know you might as well be using plastic you know like those plastic army men in warhammer 40k right
0: yeah, exactly because that's the
1: quality
0: something, getting i saw some um, i saw i have to go find this article too because it was something it was it was a 3d printing article and it seems now that it's the market is switching away from join my welcome pack of 110 miniatures plus you get another 80 miniatures every month blah 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 to now more and more people are starting to subscribe in patreon to the custom sculptors the ones that they you know the ones that are doing fan art and things along those lines because the newness and honeymoon to a degree of the fat 3d printing is kind of waning a bit yeah you know
1: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and it, yeah, you don't want to be part of that. Like we decided earlier on that we didn't want to be part of that race to the bottom, um, you know, and produce. Like the thing is, we, so as, as a company, we produce, we have four sculptors that work for us full time. Um, They're staff. Right. And we pay them, we pay them well. Right. To produce amazing models. Um, that costs a lot of money. Like I know how long it takes to make a model and it takes a long time to make certain models and you know if you're if you're producing if you're producing you know 30 models a month right 30 or 40 models a month you're going to have to cut corners to get those model out so either you're going to be just doing reposes you're going to be doing the same bodies same heads you know reusing assets to get those models uh with us every one of our sculpts is a unique sculpt right? Mm-hmm. For the most part. I mean, there are elements that we do reuse, like I'm not going to say that we're, you know, we do have, and we have textures and stuff that we reuse and stuff, but. Um, well, of course, because yeah. it's,
0: there's a, there's a squad army nature to some of it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there teams, you know, like. Some, yeah. Like, it would make sense that you would have similar, at least at the very least, themes inside like the red. Bulls. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like we try to, like, for example, um, our next, uh, our next month release, I'll just announce here, because I don't know when this is coming out, but um i'm assuming it'll be before june uh but not uh it'll not. be two weeks from today okay perfect yeah okay so our release i can say now because <laughs> so our uh, our june release is uh we have 10 assassins um so there's five male five female uh there's this uh a weird messed up minotaur creature um and there is a uh a demon like a like a on a 40 millimeter base so like an atriarch sized demon um, and I mean, the amount of time it took to sculpt those models was, was considerable. It's very taxing on our, on our staff, right? Um, like we do, like we, and the marks on top of that, we're also doing our, our regular releases, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is also part of the reason why we're going to a uh, limited edition route is because we can sculpt one model and we can do like, you know, 27 variants on that model, right? Like variant pieces and then release just the same model with different pieces, right? So once we do it, it's done, and we have four months worth of releases set up, right? If we're doing four different variants. Right. Um, so yeah, but we also have our special releases too, and you have to remember Creature Caster isn't just models and uh, isn't, we don't just sculpt for ourselves. Sometimes we, uh, we uh, have uh, clients that we sculpt for, right? right. Um, we, we, we keep our staff very busy. <laughs> we are <laughs> very busy people. Um, but we still want to maintain that, you know, like our STL, like our our goal when we launched our STL program was to ensure that we um was to ensure that we maintain the same quality uh, that you would get from a, you know, from a regular release, right, with our program. So, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, there's a, you know, I just want to go to my manufacturer actually, just quickly, the because I know in the tribes there's one that's very interesting to me, and I use this example. So there's a company called the Witch Song Miniatures. And they only charge a dollar. Um, they only charge a dollar for a model, right? And you get a, one model every month and you get, you pay one buck, you get a dollar every month, right? Or you get a dollar every month. You get a model every month, right? Um, you know, and say what, say what you want, but they, that which song miniatures has 4,837 subscribers on tribes. So that means on that one model, they're producing they're making they're making a minimum of four thousand eight hundred and thirty seven dollars right before before my manufacturer takes its cut so when i look at that and i see how many people are see how many people are on there um you know there's something to be said about you know the quality uh, uh, putting out a few quality sculpts rather than you know putting out a million sculpts charging 10 bucks and how much you're paying out to these artists to do that right
0: right I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking now because I'm just curious to see what they look like. Pretty good. They look great. I just even from the whatchamacallit, call it, it's pretty nice. <laughs> like just to, <laughs> the, the what call hasn't loaded on it yet. The models haven't loaded, but the ba- border has, and the mm-hmm. the models that they have on the border are really nice.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, yeah. It, it's the the STL market is still new, and it's still um, it's still we're still finding out what the best way to market and get models and i mean the people who are buying the models too they're finding out what they like and how they're going to spend their money right right so, and what they're doing with it
0: and 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 also you also then you throw in every six months there's a new hot printer, yeah you know and, yeah, and, exactly. and so in and, and finding your way through that to get to the point where you're like this is good enough you know what I mean? And like, I I I have a friend who's an avid 3D printer, and he's like, "Look," he goes, "I get everything perfect for me on my 4K. I I'm done. Like, yeah. unless something comes out that's a miracle, he <laughs> goes, I 'I don't need a 12K printer.' You know? No, I mean, you
1: don't. And that, like, that's the thing. I had someone, and I I mean, again, I, I it's a very credible person in the 3D printing market. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot about 3D printing. Um, you saw my failed print. Uh, so you know, I don't know a lot about 3D printing, (laughs) right? But I tend to listen to people that do have, um, that have experience in this. And he said the highest resolution that you, that you actually need, like the best, the best quality print is going to be a 6K printer, right? Mm -hmm. And then he went on to like, um, X axis and Y axis and, you know, resolution, all that sort of thing and how 6K is your optimal. Like you can get an 8K printer, but you're probably only getting 6K results. Right, right. Yeah, this, so. I,
0: I was explaining it to somebody like this. This is th- that's perfect that you said that because I was having this conversation with somebody. I'm like, so is this like a PlayStation 3 thing? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, they never released a game on the PlayStation 3 that ever challenged the actual ability of the PlayStation 3. Like, the capabilities that the PlayStation 3 had never, th- no game. Ever pushed it to its max. Last boss. Wow, my son is yelling, "The Last of Us." He says, what about, cri- us? "What
1: about crisis? Did it run crisis?"
0: Oh, I don't know, but but I, I guess <laughs> no,
1: you can ask your son that.
0: <laughs> what about crisis? He said,
1: <laughs> "I don't know how old your son is, so we might not get that joke."
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's an old so he's he's 19 going on TV. oh okay no he's not old enough to get that joke but of, he but... is an old soul though he? he, oh, is he, he? Okay. he's the one who set up my regular playstation in the basement and is complaining <laughs> that it takes 20 minutes to load a game and uh,
1: like, the... what are you
0: talking about back in the day that was fast
1: <laughs> i was fast i i remember that but i know there's a there's an old meme where it says yeah but can it run crisis which is the computer when how good your computer is right okay, but, okay. yeah i couldn't enough. i I don't remember when Cry. I actually no, cuz the cuz Cry- Crysis did come out for the Xbox 360 I think. But anyway,
0: I guess I guess my thing was with the it was PlayStation 3s had export bans on them because they were designed they the they could the what we we'll call it could be used the same technology for tracking. Oh you know,
1: it was serious. Yeah. Like those game consoles, I remember they were banned in certain countries because they could be used for computers, right? Yep. Like they can make computer Like, yeah, it was a big deal.
0: And so they never, but they never, re- I guess, by the point, they never released a game that could push it all the way to its full limits before they released the next version. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. it feels like that's where we are in the world of 3D printing that,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. So for me, the way I look at it, and this is my personal thoughts on it, is when it comes to 3D printing, um, what you're gonna, the real benefit of getting a new printer is the quality of life functions that those print, that printer has, right? Okay. Um, like I'll use an example. I was using an Elegoo um, Mars 2 was the one I started on. Um, and it was okay. It did all right. And then I got a Saturn, right? And the Saturn introduced all these really neat functions like, um, auto leveling. Right. So you can auto level your you didn't have to like fiddle around and like lower the lower the arm to be leveled uh, manually. Right. You just press you just loosen everything, press the home button and just lowered and it just leveled out naturally. And then you just tightened it and popped it up. Right. Like for me, that made all the difference. And then they have this this function called tank clean. Right. Where you press the tank clean button and it just does a quick 15 second exposure on your tank. Right. And it creates a film. and You just peel the film off your FEP. Right. And then you have a like your FEP is completely clean. So if you have a failure in a failure, right, that's sticking to your FEP instead of clawing at it and pulling at it and potentially ripping your FEP, you just do this and it comes off and the chance of ripping your FEP is relatively low. Sounds painful. Yeah. Rip your FEP, yeah, Oh, trust me, it is the most painful thing. And I'll tell you a story about uh, ripping a FEP. Okay? So a FEP, just so you know, is the is the plastic layer on the bottom of your vat with that holds the 3D resin. And I was printing off the resin beast trophies, right? Last minute, we needed more trophies. Um, and so I had three more tro- or two more. I could put two trophies on a plate, right? And we needed two trophies left, right? And it was the day before we left for Adepticon. And these are, uh, 16 hour prints, right? Yikes. And anyway, I said, I said to Peter, Peter goes, can you can do two more? And I said, yeah, I can do two more as long as nothing goes wrong. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. And he goes, okay. He's like, knock on wood nothing goes wrong print off two more i'm like no problem i just have to remove these remove these trophies from the from the plate and we're good to go so as i was removing the trophies from the plate one of them fell into my into my vat, right and tore the fab on the bottom right and resin started pouring all over the screen of my 3d printer right so i'm just like oh did we knock on wood like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> did we remember to knock on wood anyway so I, uh, anyway, yeah. Long story short, I was up until one in the morning fixing my FEP on my because uh, to ch- to change your FEP, it's actually a pretty intensive process where you have to remove all the screws from the bottom of your vat. Then you have to like put the FEP, a new FAP back in there, and you have to make sure it's tight. And then you have to put all the screws back in. It's it's a big and they're tiny, tiny, tiny little screws. It's uh, and when you're our age, tiny little screws is not a good thing. No. That is, uh, you know. <laughs> so nope, nope, anyway. Nope. Yeah. So, yeah. So tearing your FEP can be very painful, especially <laughs> if you're on a timeline. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it does. That does make sense. though that um even if it's a resolution that's not a big jump, the functionality of the printer,
1: hundred percent, and that's, that
0: increases. I mean, sense. really,
1: and that so that is the same thing as game consoles, right? When you look at the jump from the different game consoles, they always add more and more uh quality of life features, right? Yeah. That, know make you make your life look well I mean if you look at the Xbox 360 versus I mean, I'm gonna use Xbox 7 Xbox right but mm-hmm. um the Xbox 360 versus the Xbox I don't remember what it was called one the uh, yeah, Xbox one yeah so if you look at the difference right the Xbox was mainly a game console right all I could do with it was play games the Xbox one um they added uh all sorts of like Netflix YouTube all that other stuff to it plus they had an they had an amazing thing which was an output in the back like a what was it? A, uh, they had a, uh, HDMI, uh, output in the back, right? Not an input, but an output, right? Or was it an input? Either way, I, I'm not sure. Anyway, I remember one day I was, they, so, and the whole idea was that was you could actually plug your cable box into it and then hook your cable box up to your internet or into, up to your Xbox so you can manage your cable box from your Xbox, right? Oh, that's cool. Which was cool, but was even better was that I put a Chromecast in there. So I could switch over and then cast to my Xbox without using Microsoft Media Manager, which was a pain in the ass to use, right? So you could just cast it from your from your Chromebook, whatever you had, right? You can cast video to it, no problem. It was, nice. uh, but yeah, but then, and then they got rid of those functions with the Xbox Series X, and I don't know why.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> so is, it might be just because, like, I know our TV that we have, we've replaced our TV just a, just a couple, like a year yeah. and a half ago, and now... We press a button and we can project our laptops yeah. and phones. On oh the- yeah, it's all. Yeah. Everything's
1: all connected now. I mean, you know, I gotta, you know, even fridges now that are connected to the internet. Oh, I
0: know. <laughs> well, my That's wife amazing. was so excited when she got the Wi-Fi crockpot. So she could like start the crockpot. At oh crap, I forgot it. Let me just turn it on. And I'm like, you know, I am here. I could press the button for you. You
1: know, <laughs> I saw it. I saw a comic recently that was like the future we wanted. It shows like all like people flying, like flying cars and stuff and people like using, you know, like projector phones off the wrist and everything. And it says the future, the future we got. <laughs> it says, Why do I need to register my toaster on the Wi Fi? I just want to make some toast. Right. <laughs> yeah. Why do you need my email for this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That
0: was That's a running, the, running joke. My yeah. dad used to like, I don't know he why he would do it, but. Every year or two, he would buy a new toaster, and like it would be like one of the fanciest ass looking toasters. And we were joking about him, like, "What can you do, Dad? Download the latest toast recipes from the internet?" And he's like, like, "There's one recipe: toast."
1: That okay. so that actually hits home because last night I bought a new toaster. Oh okay. my!
0: Wife. And
1: so we're in we're in Canadian Tire, right? Which is the most Canadian place you can ever be. And uh, we were looking at different toasters and one of them had like an LED screen, like an LED touchscreen, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and my wife goes, which one do you want? I'm like, what's that one? It's an LED touchscreen. And my wife goes, do you really need an LED touchscreen for your toast? And I said, well, I mean, why not? And she goes, do you think it really fits the decor of our kitchen? Do you really think we need another LED touchscreen in our house? And I'm, just, she goes, what happens when that touchscreen cracks or doesn't work? What are you going to do then? And I'm just like, I almost get your stupid, you know, mechanical toaster. <laughs> and I know she's right. I know You're she's right. right. But I just bought a car, and I can't argue with her because I just bought a car. Yeah, <laughs> so no. instead of spending, no, so instead of buying the hundred dollar toaster, we buy the fifty dollar toaster, and I'm happy in my new super. Right? There so you, go.
0: <laughs> you got to pick your battles. I, that, I'd pick that one I pick that one truly the, the 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 number one thing I tell my kids about a happy marriage you gotta pick your battles you can't yeah. fight over everything
1: no you know. just happy wife happy life That's yeah. what my wife says anyway right so <laughs> that is happy wife you get to keep your life or something like that I don't remember
0: yeah I I, yeah, I think both are you know, both, both are apropos you know um, absolutely so um let's talk a little bit of future um let's talk so we got the the release for uh for the june release of assassins a demon and uh i think you said a minotaur looking guy yeah um let's talk about uh the future of the resin beast okay so now um yeah i know they're like <laughs> i i looked at the time i'm like damn wow this has gone i, I can't even believe it's already <laughs> we've been going this long already um <laughs>
1: Well, hopefully, I'm giving you a lot of content. To work.
0: Know, it's fantastic. Love it. Love it. Um, it's natural conversation, just going wherever it goes. But um, I do want to know. I uh, like. Talk, uh, like, I know you had talked about the the, the future of the resin beast uh, a little bit. We've talked a little bit separately from recording, but um, any new big plans that you can talk about come going forward?
1: Uh, well, resin beast uh, is going to be. Uh, next year hopefully is going to be a much larger event uh, than what we had this year um as you know i mean i kind of talked about this earlier where we brought on one sponsor right so there will be uh we're in talks with other sponsors as well for this uh for the event so hopefully by the time we hit Resident beast next year there's going to be an absolutely massive prize pool we hope um and a lot of people involved in that uh now there's of course a lot of decision making that goes into that um but uh, we are looking at actively expanding the pro expanding the uh the contest to be um include more companies uh, more products more product support um you know uh, one thing that i don't think a lot of people know um is that we actually have we're the exclusive distributors of a new paint line um well not a new paint line it's an old paint line that um that is new to a lot of people uh, it's called cuttlefish colors
0: yeah uh, i i always for I I I apologize. I know that's I okay. know that, but I forget about it. A lot of people do, and, that, and that's fine. I mean,
1: it's uh, it, it it's new to people because most people don't don't think of us as producing paint. Uh, and to be fair, to be very fair, um, the paint initiative was very much uh, driven by myself. Um, I'm a big painter myself, as you know, and uh, we we weren't actually in the market for a paint line. We weren't hunting for a paint line. We weren't interested in distributing a paint line. Um, and then uh, what happened was this uh, was Nova last year. Um, there was a there was a bit of an incident with with a customer um, who wasn't happy with what happened at Nova. And he reached out to Creature um, Caster support to uh, vent his frustrations. <laughs> and uh, I ended up talking to him and it uh, turns out we had a lot in common. He was a really cool guy. And then he said, uh, and then we were talking a little bit because I, I have an aquarium as well and he does aquarium stuff. And so we had that in common. And then it turns out, um, he had his own paint line called Cuttlefish Colors. Uh, his name was Ryan Calhoun. And, um, so we ended up talking and I said, well, like, how about you send me some of your, how would you send me some of your, uh, send me some of your paints and I'll give them a try. Cause I, I'm always interested in trying new paints. And so he sent me a bunch of paints and I'll tell you, Mike, they were the best paints I've ever used in my life. Um, nice. they were, best kept secret um so the nice quality about these paints is um they're glazing paints so they're very thin right mm. uh you have to add multiple colors to get the results like if you want to get a bright color you have to add multiple multiple layers but the color stays, right so the color you see in the bottle is the color you're going to get if you add enough enough layers right um and they're semi-transparent so um, as you know, as a painter, glazing is one of the most important, or one of the one of the most advanced techniques you can learn as a painter, right? So by knowing, it, you know, because a flesh tone, a lot of pay, like, I would say ninety percent of painters when they paint a flesh tone, right? They do, they just grab the flesh colored paint and they paint the flesh tone, right? And then they do a wash, do a highlight, call it a day. Um, but a flesh tone is actually a lot more complicated than just a single color. There's reds, there's blues, there's greens in those flesh tones that you have to glaze down and apply over top of a flesh tone to get realistic colors. Right. Right. And so that's what this paint that's the strength of this paint is you can do that um and have it pre glazed for you so you don't have to fiddle around with mediums. Right? Um I've I've and I've done a lot of thought on how to market this paint, because I understand it's a very niche product. Um of somebody like essentially what it does for a media sorry mediocre painter like myself. Is forces me to paint properly and use proper techniques to get the results that I want. Um, for newcomer, for newcom, like new like like newcomers to painting, um, which I do teach in my painting class. There are people who've never picked up a brush before. Um, they really take to these paints because it teaches them how to apply paint properly, um, the first go. Um, so they're not they're not picking up the bad habits that we learned from old heavy metal magazines uh, or old heavy metal tutorials, right? So they're they're actually learning how to paint properly. Um, you know. Uh, and also, because we don't have any washes in our line, uh, you actually have to make your own washes. We have a medium for that called uh, Merlin's Magical Medium, and it's it's pretty phenomenal as well. We use that uh, five drops of that to one drop of the paint makes an amazing wash. Any color you want. So we have 112 colors in the line. Oh, wow. Um, but the most the most important part of this is that these paints are ultra matte. They have no shine to them whatsoever. Right. Um, which is a huge deal because a lot of people end up applying uh, matte sprays on their model afterwards. And as you know, a matte spray can change the color of your paint.
0: Yeah, it'll take away highlights.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, I noticed that when varnishing commissions that that last highlight goes away when you... It does.
1: You're going to lose your edge. You're going to lose a lot. Unless you really push those highlights, you're going to lose it when you apply a matte coat. These paints are matte right out of the bottle. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, they're ultra durable. There's a video. um, So... I'm not sure if you're familiar with Don sertos or not.
0: Yeah, I know. I know the video. I, I know who yeah, so, he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So Don, Don really loves cuttlefish colors. He's uh, <laughs> there was a bit of a story there. I know Don from other stuff, but I approached Don, and he wasn't too keen on doing it. And then he tried the paints. But one of my elements, uh, or one of my uh, tactics, to get him to try the paints um, was I actually airbrushed uh, a model with cuttlefish colors, and then I t- there's a video of me t- I threw on the Doom soundtrack, and I covered my my br my t- uh, toothbrush with um with airbrush cleaner and i took it to a space marine model for five minutes for the whole doom soundtrack of me just scrubbing the model not a lick of paint came off he didn't believe me how durable that paint was so Damn. um so it's good for gamers as well you know what i mean it's uh and through an airbrush it's um through an airbrush it is uh it, you can get some killer color out of that because the airbrush of course like when you're playing with a brush, it's going to be a little different. But if you're applying the paint color straight from the airbrush, you're going to get those bright colors off right away. Well, you saw, a, you saw a Clay Williams, uh, Clay Williams, um, old Lord of Malice uh, model. I think so. Yeah, it was the big pink one with the gold axe and the gold. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He did that entirely with cuttlefish colors.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah. So we sent him cuttlefish colors to try, and he was like, "Wow, well, if I'm going to enter resin beast, I should do that." And he absolutely loves these paints. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, and I guess I can talk about it now because uh, this is coming out in a few weeks, but we are actually really have a new line of cuttlefish color paints coming out. Um, it's probably the most requested thing we get from people who use our paints is they want opaque colors. Right. We have, we have a set coming out that's going to be uh, all opaque colors. So 16 different opaque colors to base coat your models. And I will tell you a little bit of secret about this is it's an entirely new formula. You won't believe it when you use it, um, but the paint themselves have the consistency of ink, so like the the they're as thin to use as an ink and require only one layer to go right over top of any color. What is, is there, the price
0: point on those?
1: uh American. I think it's going to be eighty nine dollars for sixteen paints. They come in the big twenty two milliliter.
0: Twenty two milliliter size. Yeah.
1: Right? So.
0: Yeah, yep. a-
1: and they. And they have the consistency of ink, so it's like an ink. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not like a paint, like it's not thick. Right. So this what the whole the whole premise of these paints is that you uh, put down a base coat, and you want your base coat to be as thin as possible, not to obscure detail. Right, right? and then you can glaze on top of this with the actual colorfish. Mm-hmm. Right, but these are the the base coats that you're going to do. It's very fast drying, so you wouldn't want to try to blend with them. Right
0: right you're not trying to wet blend with
1: them yeah no no no. they they dry way too fast for that (laughs) like like, so our cuttlefish paints they have a retarder in them so they dry these things will dry by the time you're like they dry so fast right because the whole idea is to get you painting right so the set up get a base coat down and then get you painting right so
0: Mm -hmm. you say said they come out in june
1: probably in june yeah mid-june and i'm fine if you talk i'm fine talking about the paints on the podcast okay that stuff is fine it's just me showing you the model isn't going to translate well to a podcast i mean but if you want to have a you go jesus christ i mean you might want to leave that in (laughs) for sure yeah but uh yeah so the i mean the future and i mean the future of our business i mean we're we're also going to be doing judgment right judgment's a big part of our company right so we are planning on doing some very uh, very aggressive um, releases for judgment in the next few months, um, starting with a, a new model every month uh, that's going to be released with cards and tokens um, to keep the game going. Um, we're going to be starting a competitive tournament scene with that uh, game as well um, and we have a pretty neat idea on how to do that is when we run tournaments, um, everybody who joins the tournaments gets a limited edition model. So it's a limited edition resculpt of um, of one of our core models, right right? um one of the big complaint one of the, one of the big i mean i don't know maybe not a complaint is not the right word but um a lot of people like their genres clean so they like fantasy to stay fantasy and sci-fi to stay sci-fi uh, judgment has a lot of crossover with different models um so what we're doing the first thing we're going to be doing is releasing uh, fantasy versions of all the sci-fi models in the set right, right. Uh, like the first one is um the first one's going to be alan Deere, which in the set is sort of like a futuristic elf with a fancy compound bow um and the fantasy one is just a fantasy archer with like a fantasy archer elf mm-hmm. uh, you know same yeah. you know you use the same you can so you could just use this card this model as an alternate model rather than you know the stock model
0: yeah it's, it's interesting about that too that then there then there's the world of like steampunk which is everything
1: yeah right it's yeah, like you,
0: you got the both side uh, the merging of it all
1: well even it gets crazier in judgment there's like there's androids and there's people with like you know rocket packs and laser swords but then there's also people with battle axes and you know <laughs> battle axes and magic and all that stuff um not that's not necessarily my favorite thing but a lot of people do like it um i mean so judgment itself draws a lot from the mobile crowd um so the you know and so uh the creators of the game originally kind of envisioned the sort of moba moba thing yeah and that's um yeah that's really where that comes from but we really want to kind of take it into more of a at least give people fantasy options right so they can play a pure fantasy game if they want to
0: right that's fun i mean yeah being able to compartmentalize it either way yeah that's huge you know and st- and not having two separate game systems yeah yeah you know what i mean exactly. like yeah. you know yeah, yeah. Not having your space marines and then your Stormcast space marine type guys, and you said it. Well, you know what, and I'll I'll even that I have to, I have to credit where credits due. The Stormcast is what got me back in because I'm my favorite movie of all time is Excalibur. Oh, nice, nice. They look like the knights from Excalibur.
1: You're kind of right. I never thought about that, but yeah, you're kind of right, especially
0: Mordred. You know, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like that. that. So I just, I kind of fell in love with that. I've always loved Space Marines, but the I do, I do, I I can't lie. I love me some Stormcast, and that's probably also why I always love the Blood Angel characters too, because they they get the the Sanguinary Guard and stuff like that. But
1: and probably why you like our June release, yes.
0: See yeah. there you go, yeah. The anonymous, that kind of anonymous face thing, and yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. A, big, I'm a big fan of that aesthetic for sure because yeah. it can cross over into so many different. You can go gothic horror with that. You can go uh, horror sci-fi fan. You know, like you, there's so many yeah. different places you can go with that kind of aesthetic, and I love it for sure.
1: Yeah, no, um, I agree. Yeah, I think. I think the real question is, how many of your guests know the movie Excalibur? <laughs>
0: If they don't, they should because <laughs> they uh, should. They, they see all these amazing old people now, British actors <laughs> like Patrick Stewart's in it, Liam Neeson's yeah. in it, all oh, like it's... the the the, the a cast of characters, and they all look
1: young. Well, well star started yes. star the cast. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I think I remember reading a thing about Excalibur how it was actually it was a flop. Yes, like they, yeah, and but it was supposed to be like the big summer film or whatever, and it ended up being a flop because yeah, just for whatever reason, it didn't end up doing well, but it got cult status, right? It got
0: hu- yeah, huge, yeah, huge cult status and kind of the, yeah, I, I, I think people didn't appreciate it then. Yeah. Because it didn't fit, like some of the writing of it didn't fit kind of what was in then. And yeah. so, but it, it it came back around to, yeah, it's absolutely, I absolutely adore that movie. Um yeah
1: it's a good one it is yeah. a real good one I you know what I I I'd say I've maybe only seen it three or four times in my life mm-hmm. but it was definitely I, I definitely should check that out again actually yeah, I was thinking I've like, got it, I've got yeah. it
0: on D- DVD and VHS
1: so, I'm thinking I'm like I'm like well oh, maybe I can watch it with my wife and I'm like she won't watch that movie I'm like maybe maybe my daughter oh, she's five I don't think she'd really want to watch that movie either I might just have to watch it by myself <laughs> yeah there's
0: a couple of scenes in it that you don't yeah. watch with your daughter yeah uh you know
1: what she watched the Ring. Uh, just after Halloween, which was amazing. Well, so I know it was just before Halloween she asked me if she could watch The Ring Mm -hmm. and I guess she's four and I'm like, uh I don't think that's a good idea and then my wife goes, oh there's nothing really, like it's scary but there's nothing in it that you don't, like it's not there's not gore, there's very little swearing, there's, you know, not even (laughs) there's no, you know, not a lot of violence no sex, I mean, you know it's it's pretty tame for a restricted movie and I'm like uh, okay so I went on like you know the parent what's that called that uh, you know what was that called uh,
0: the advisory or something
1: yeah, like I just see you know whatever and everyone's like don't let your kid watch this movie this movie is terrifying what are you doing right like this movie is this movie is scarred adults like and I'm just like I'm like and then she's like I really want to watch it and I'm like alright and there's a video of me watching the ring with her and it's like almost at the end and she's like in my arms like shaking and she's just like and I'm like Okay, hey, we can turn this off at any time honey and she goes no no we gotta finish it and she's like pointing at the screen. She's going, this is fake. This is fake. And I'm like, yeah, it is fake. Yeah. stop the movie. She'd walk around. She'd like pump herself up. She'd go into her bedroom and be like, don't, don't be scared. This is fake. This is fake. And then she'd come back and watch, watch another 15 minutes. And yeah, we finished the movie. I mean, yeah, but.
0: oh, yeah. And that's kind It just reminds me of the creepy pot of like, uh, my son was terrified of the slender man. And yeah. it was all based on this video that somebody did for a contest. that's yeah. and I, it was a created via you know, that contest, who could make the weirdest urban legend? And it won. And the, the video in it, like my son was totally freaked out about it. And I watched oh, yeah. I, I watched I watched it within twenty seconds I went, Ryan, three quarters of this is from Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Hush episode. <laughs> He's like, (laughs) looked at me and I'm like, he's like, no, it's, it's like a documentary. I'm like, no, Ryan, this is from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. Like, which one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. (laughs) That Hush episode was amazing. But I like, and like kind of this dawn of realization on his face of like being kind of duped, you know, like, like I'm like, yeah. It's fake. <laughs> it's a thing,
1: man, and it's it's only getting worse. You know, like you, you, it's getting to the point where you can't believe almost anything you see. You know, true. Like I, I was just, I was just uh, showing my wife uh, there was some uh, AI generated photos of children playing with sharks at a Florida, like someone typed in for the like generated said uh, Florida uh, shark petting zoo. Mm-hmm. right it had like these great white sharks in these pools with these children and the kids were like kissing the sharks and the <laughs> sharks were smiling and i sent it to my wife and i'm like we should take helix to this uh we should take helix to this petting zoo and she goes this isn't real and i'm like and i'm like i don't know i mean it was in i just came across it on the internet i mean i knew it wasn't real."
0: right right so, right like,
1: and she, goes, and she goes, well, no, it can't be real because the insurance would be astronomical. She goes, I run a daycare. I know exactly how much that
0: would cost. <laughs> There's no way
1: you'd put children in a pool with sharks. And I said, well, it is Florida. You you know what I mean? It's like-
0: it's, there is a fair argument on your point
1: there. <laughs> it is Florida, so. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's, ama- it, it's amazing because that's a whole nother, like, Conversation AI and art is a whole nother conversation. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's because there there is value as a miniature painter to us, but also it's the the question about the authenticity and whose work it actually was and where they're getting it from and. Yeah. There's so many, there's so much ugly involved in that, that. That's one we'll have to put a pin in for another day. Yeah, another, another
1: conversation. We can't get into that. We'll, we've already been talking for almost two hours. So. Yep. <laughs> but,
0: so one, one of the ways that we kind of wrap up is, uh, you're a very experienced painter and you're not a mediocre painter. Nice try. Um, <laughs> is we ask, uh, artists who are on the show, um, our motto is better, braver, happier painters. Is there any advice that you could give our listeners uh, as they continue their hobby journey?
1: Yeah. Stop comparing yourself to other painters on the internet and only compare your stuff to yourself. The, uh, I tell that to all my students. Uh, They, you know, a lot of these guys, they, a lot of these people, they sit down, they paint models and they get very frustrated very quickly. And it's because they spend so much time online looking at Pictures and models that have been painted by people who have been painting dedicated painters for the past decade, right? The only person you're competing with when it comes to painting is yourself, unless you're in a painting competition. In that case, well, I, I can't help you because I'm not. I don't go into painting competitions, despite ha- despite being part of running one. Um, but the uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, only compare models. Only compare your your models to past models you've painted, and uh, enjoy the hobby. Don't let it. Don't don't let it uh, don't let the drive to be better consume you, right? Because that will ultimately destroy your passion for painting.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting too that the that you say don't don't uh, compare yourself to other painters, um, especially in the world now where the open system of judging is becoming more and more prevalent. That they are judging you based on your work, not necessarily looking at it next to another model.
1: Yeah, I mean in the in the end i've had people say oh you know you're you know you couldn't you know you you know you're not as good as painter so and so and i'm like no i'm not i'm not him <laughs> you know I, I think one of the one of the i i did i used to do commission painting uh every once in a while and i remember one guy came up to me and he or messaged me and he wanted uh he says hey how much would it cost to paint Abad- um abaddon i think his name is Abaddon, or, you know the the chaos space marine guy right right how much would you? How much would it cost for you to paint it like this? And he sent me a picture that was uh, done by Angel Geraldes, and I know how much Angel charges to paint models. <laughs> I've done I've done work with Angel before, and, and so I I said it'll cost you fifteen hundred dollars, and he goes fifteen hundred dollars. He goes that's crazy, and I'm like that's how much it'll cost. And I knew in my head that if this guy said yes, I would get Angel to paint that model for what he charges, and I would keep the rest.
0: very cool very cool well Taylor can you uh tell our listeners where to find you and uh CreatureCaster
1: um yeah I mean the best place to find me is um Taylor at CreatureCaster.com I don't uh I don't have a big social media presence uh I try to I don't even really post my models um every once in a while I do sometimes you know on discord and different channels but um, but yeah, you can always find me at, uh, Taylor at creaturecaster.com. If you ever have any questions about our games or our products, um, feel free to drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Perfect.
0: And we'll put links to creaturecaster and resin beast for Instagram, all the socials and our show notes.
1: That would be fantastic.
0: Yeah. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. It was really a fun conversation.
1: <laughs> it was great, Mike. Thank you again. And I, uh, hopefully we'll do this again some other time. Uh, absolutely. We'd
0: like to thank Taylor Holloway, Business Development Officer of CreatureCaster for joining us today. It was really insightful hearing about uh, the resin beasts, the company, 3D printing, and your hobby journey. Uh, thank you so much for sharing those with us. Please check out CreatureCaster on Instagram and Facebook. We'll have links to them in the show notes. Likewise, you could follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry, as well as on Twitter at Dry Listening. Uh, Like, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcasts. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a a good review, we'd greatly appreciate it. And any spreading of the podcast, the word of mouth always helps out. Thank you so much to our listeners and our Patreons. We appreciate you and uh, wouldn't be here without you. Thank you for making this a fun journey in and of itself. Um, you can also send us an email at listening to pain, try at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, or any of you going to recent uh, or upcoming conventions we'd love to hear about it and uh, we'll be at both Nova open and Reapercon this year. so uh, hopefully we'll be able to meet up there as well. There's so much to do. see and try on your journey to become a better, braver, happier painter. Enjoy every moment of it until next time. Listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the hosts. The music is death by a thousand questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share-alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.